Well, hello. Thank you for joining us here at uh, Real Parables. We're glad that you can spend some time with us today. Uh, I am Graham, and this is Devin. Uh, we have committed ourselves to the very difficult job of watching movies. So difficult. So difficult. So hard. You know, you know, everybody says that ministry life is hard, and this is definitely one of the more enjoyable parts of ministry. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, we have committed to watching movies, but not just watching them with, you know, your typical entertainment eyes. Or they are entertaining, but we, we are also, entertained. We, uh, we also want to look at these from a, a Christian perspective, you know, what, uh, and being ministers from a teachable perspective, yeah. you know, what ways do these movies teach greater spiritual truths that we can, um, impart, you know, uh, something from the history of Christianity, the teaching of Jesus, whatever it happens to be. And today we are uh, looking at a movie that I actually had always wanted to see, but because I have a very loud house and knew I wouldn't be able to watch it in a quiet room, um, <laughs> I had just not watched it. Uh, and that movie is The Martian. So why don't you tell us a little bit about The Martian? Yeah. So if you haven't seen Martian, it's a uh, Matt Damon film. It won, the, the year it came out, it won, I think, the Oscar for Best Motion Picture, I think, as well as Matt Damon winning an Oscar for mm. Best Actor performance. Uh, very good movie. Spoiler alert, as always, because mm-hmm. uh, we're going to talk about the movie for the next however Hour long so. we're doing yeah. this. Uh, but it's a film about a group of astronauts that are kind of the first colonizers on uh, Mars uh, doing uh, different tests on the on the planet. And uh, there's this bad storm that comes through and uh, kind of... It kills one of the astronauts. The other ones barely escape. But kind of unbeknownst to those other astronauts is there was an astronaut that got stranded, mm-hmm. uh, just barely hanging on to life. So the whole uh, the whole story of this film is following the survival of this marooned astronaut mm-hmm. alone on Mars. Hence the term Martian. Yeah. He, he's a true, the true Martian. Mm-hmm. But he, it's... He develops all kinds of nicknames for himself. Yeah. Captain Blondebeard. <laughs> it's it's a pretty fun uh, movie because while there's a lot of the, this tense and dark stuff happening, there's also a lot of like positivity and mm. and uh, humor in it, which mm. we'll we'll talk about later. But uh, eventually, uh, he's able to get the attention of everyone back down on Earth, and they realize, oh, this guy is still up there and alive. Mm-hmm. So they uh, we kind of follow the story of them trying to get him saved from mars mm. and uh yeah it's it's a very well-made movie it's one of those movies where like that wins all those like awards that i actually agree with like deserved them because yeah. it's just very good yeah, great soundtrack like too la la land you know that won all kinds of awards i like la la land i don't not like la well, you don't la like land. you don't like musicals very much right i like some musicals i just don't think it was as good as Everybody made it out. To I would agree with that because yeah. I think it's just, it's Hollywood. So a lot of the Hollywood Ryan people Gosling love is just it. kind of a dead fish of an actor. <laughs> he <laughs> he does. doesn't have a whole yeah. lot of emotion. But anyways, we're not talking about La La Land today. Stone has a ton. <laughs> Maybe we should watch that. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, so we're in this movie, Martian, not La La Land. Uh, <laughs> but we, uh, you know, at the very beginning of this movie, there's like you said the stand the sandstorm. You know they're they're 
they all have their own specialty jobs. You know, Matt Damon's character, his name's Mark. He's uh, there to specifically, you know, look at dirt and, you know, is this dirt something that could be in the future used for agriculture, construction, and that kind of stuff. Yeah. So uh, he's out doing his thing. Everybody else has their own tasks and responsibilities. And then they know that there's a sandstorm that's coming, but they didn't realize how big it was going to be. So um, when they see this, this storm and they get the warnings from the rest of the crew that's up in space about what's going to happen, they have to make this, this decision. Do we go back to you know the rocket, the only way that we have to get back up to the bigger spaceship and just try and ride it out? Or do we uh, leave and just abandon this mission? You know, and we're talking about a mission that, you know, it took them what nine months to get there. Yeah, I think took it nine months time. to get there. However many years of planning, however many billions of dollars went into this. So it's a big decision that this captain, as she uh, reminds us all through the movie, that this is her decision. Mm-hmm. Um, that she's the one that is ultimately going to be held re- responsible for the decisions it's made. So she has to decide and she decides it's just not safe. That it's time to get back to the rocket, get back up in space and just take whatever data they have and do yeah. their best. So in the process of trying to evac, uh, evacuate Mars, there's the windstorm is just moving faster and the uh, some of the equipment that's on the ground, I think it was an antenna specifically, mm-hmm. gets blown and knocks Matt Damon. His name, his character's name is Mark. Uh, hits Mark. He goes flying out, and um, it shows in all the sensors that there was a depressurization of his suit. So they assumed, okay, well, how much time does he have? You know, in this yeah. environment, how much time does a depressurized suit have, and how much time does it have? before it kills a person. So they look for him as long as they can, but then it got to that point where, okay, he's gone. Yeah, He's dead. It's too late. It's too late. We have to think about the rest of the team, the bigger mission. Let's get back to the rocket and go to the space station or the, the bigger ship. Mm-hmm. So they had to make this difficult, um, this difficult decision, a decision that nobody would ever really want to make. And as this rocket is, um, you know, flying back up to the bigger rock, the bigger ship, uh, the captain, you know, it's very dramatic mm-hmm. emotion filled the scene where, um, she looks over and there's an empty seat and the imagery of that is so powerful, you know, that she had to realize that the decision was mine, not anybody else's. The decision was mine to leave somebody behind, uh, either because they were already dead or because, or you're leaving it behind to die. Uh, you know, so how do you emotionally deal with that kind of decision? Not that either one of us yeah. have ever had to deal with anything of that magnitude, mm-hmm. but how do you, just in general, how do you deal with uh, decisions like that and then the consequences that come from those decisions? Because uh, yeah. we find out there's a pretty big consequence that mm-hmm. she didn't leave somebody there to die, she left somebody there marooned. Yeah. Um, so how do you deal with that? The whole, the whole psychology behind mm-hmm. what's going on here. I feel like I'd have to look at all the other seats that were filled and kind of yeah. logic, make, make, make my, make sense in my head. Like here's all these other lives that I did save that are here. Yeah. Uh, 
but it, but it is hard to ignore the one that is empty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there's that moment where, okay, maybe we could have looked longer and maybe we would have found them, but how many other people in the process? Yeah, would have got lost. Would have got lost or maybe in the process of looking, maybe everybody gets saved, but you know, we lose the rocket and then we're all remembering there and mm-hmm. there's no backup plan at that point. You know, not so, nearly enough food. Not nearly enough food. So yeah, it's just kind of one of those uh, those difficult decisions, and uh, I think she does pretty well. Mm-hmm. You know, with with wrestling with that, I think she clearly was a hard hit when she found out that he was in fact alive. You know, because that's yeah. a whole different level. You know, but um, yeah, I think you're right. You just have to stay focused on the good. You know, that yes, one was left behind, but there's five people who are safe and yeah. are going to get to go home and be with their families. Yeah. But then there's the other side of the story. Uh, you have Matt Damon's character, Mark. You know, Mark, um, you know, you know, because of what the movie is, they're not going to kill him in the first, you know, 30 seconds of the movie. What? So you know he's alive. <laughs> but, no. <laughs> um, you know, he's wakes up to his oxygen sensor going mm-hmm. crazy, making all these beeping sounds. And, you know, he's been knocked out for who knows how long. It's been mm-hmm. several hours, probably. Um, the storm seems to have subsided. Uh, he's looks down and he sees that he has this antenna that's going through his body. Or it's just, his, it didn't go out yeah. through the back. It's just yeah. one side. So this antenna went through his suit, which is why the sensors went off that it got depressurized. But later on, you find out that he had enough blood that it sealed the, yeah, that it coagulated and sealed the hole back up so he didn't lose pressure. So the wound bleeding so profusely ended up saving him. Yeah. Um, but, you know, so he's in this, and after he manages to get himself back to the little habitat that they had mm-hmm. on Mars, you know, it's kind of like, you know, a fancy tent, you know, nothing. Yeah. I don't know another way to no, explain it. I think a fancy tent is a good way yeah. to explain it. A, a rugged fancy tent. And he gets himself patched like, up. Looks like the things they had at fire festival. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he gets himself patched up, you know, and he has to, in that moment, he has to assess his situation. He has to make uh, the call to his ship. You know, he knows that there's, no chance of rescue. He knows that um, that his crew is already gone. There's no way for them to turn around and come back for him and have enough fuel to get back mm-hmm. to Earth. He knows it just doesn't work that way. So, uh, and he knows that he's going to be alone. You know, he's he's going to be alone on an alien planet nothing but himself for however long. Um, you know, what do you do with that psychologically? You know, in that moment, you know, we saw, you said when, you know, she was able, the captain was able to focus on the people that uh, were safe, that came out of that alive. Mm-hmm. What do you do with, on the other side when you realize you're looking forward to months of uh, being alone of hard work, uh, not knowing if you're going to actually be able to make it. Cause you know that it's going to be, you know, if they're able to get somebody yeah. up there to rescue you, it's going to be years, 
potentially. You know, how do you how do you wrestle with all that psychologically? What do you do, uh, you personally? What would you personally? What would I personally do? Yeah. Um, that's a great question. Be I mean, I'd be praying like nobody's business probably. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Luckily, uh, I got faith, so I think uh, that that'd be step one is yeah. is praying because <laughs> it it's gonna it's gonna be a test of uh, faith, a test of health, <laughs> mm-hmm. and a test of sanity. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know, like. What is the, I would like to know if there's any, maybe there's a psychologist out here, you know, what's the length of time that somebody can go with being alone mm-hmm. before they lose it? You know? Yeah. Well, there's that, there's that show, I forget, I think it's on discovery, uh, called alone Yeah. where they, they literally are alone for, for months. Yeah. And it is, it is crazy what the sight of like another human, like. Yeah. how you how you see it change them because they're not really alone yeah. i mean they still have people coming out and checking on them yeah every week yeah you know so but yeah i can't i can't imagine yeah what, what that's like just just that alone seeing their family again just it, it's crazy so i i don't even want to imagine what it's like being yeah. alone that long so there's the loneliness there's you know almost the um Oh, what did they call it? When you're don't like being tight spaces, claustrophobic. There's almost a claustrophobic situation, you know. That mm-hmm. I mean, he's got has room to move around, but he can't like go outside. Yeah. Without a suit on, it's just him and his potatoes. Yeah. So, you know, the psychology behind it is just. But his attitude, the way that he approaches this, is such a healthy way to approach it. Yeah. You know, he in this moment, rather than just give up, because I think there's a lot of people that would just do that. You know, I mean, there's an easy way out of this whole thing. And, you know, all you have to do is just walk outside. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how long it would take, but it probably wouldn't take that long. No. And it'd be an easy way just to opt out, you know, just to get out of this. Uh, but he doesn't do that. Um, he doesn't give up. He doesn't commit himself to believing that he's going to be miserable, that he's going to die, that he's going to be. Uh, suffer this lonely death on Mars, uh, but rather he uses his God-given gifts, his talents, uh, his education, and uh, he does the best that he can. Yeah, he does the best that he can with what he's got. And you know, the first concern he has is he has, well, I'm pretty limited on food here. You know, there was enough food for six people. To last what was it, like six months or something like that, or I think three so. months or something like that. It's supposed to last enough through Thanksgiving. Yeah. So, you know, he did the math. Well, that's only going to get me to here, and you know, that's only like a hundred days or you know, two hundred days of mm-hmm. food. Uh, that's not going to work because it's going to take at least five years for him to get a crew back here to pick me up. So, you know, I need to make this food last. So he <laughs> starts with the potatoes. Yeah. And, uh, Watch the movie. He's a he's a botanist, so yeah. It's fortunate that he was a botanist. Yeah. I mean, what if it was like the military person that was left up there? <laughs> the pilot. Yeah. You know, I, what if the pilot got left? Yeah, I think that would have been a lot different ending to the to the movie, yeah. probably. But you know, he's so he's got gifts, talents, and education to be able to make potatoes grow with mm-hmm. the resources that he has, 
And he just has this great attitude through the whole thing. Uh, you know, essentially he just decides to get to work that he's not going to focus on the catastrophe of what's happened. He's not going to focus on all the bad stuff. Uh, he's not going to focus on the bigger picture of, uh, how awful things are. He's going to focus on, I have this problem that I need to deal with right now. And when I finish with that problem, I'll move on to this one. And that's his approach that he has for, was it two years he was supposed to be out there? I can't remember. He was there a long time. It was a long time. So, you know, he ends up doing this and has this incredible attitude. So just, you know, trying to think proactively from a biblical standpoint, in what areas of life uh, have you or should you apply this attitude to right now? This attitude of using what God has given you and just getting to work. I'd, I'd say just find your find your calling in in ministry, and that doesn't have to be being a full time minister, but finding how those all those things that God's given you, finding how that fits into God's mission on earth. How are you going to use what He's given you to glorify Him? Mm-hmm. And once you figure that out. So it's a lot. It's pretty easy. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's it's just uh, it can be hard sometimes to kind of realize that you have that potential to to be a minister. I mean, a lot of people don't. I don't think consider themselves as ministers if they're doing something that seems kind of obsolete in terms of their calling to ministry. But mm-hmm. I think more Christians need to consider themselves ministers because mm-hmm. what they're doing is God's ministry just in their own context. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I met a young woman many years ago, uh, gifted musically, but didn't necessarily want to be the person up front. Um, mm. So she wrestled with this question, you know, how am I going to use, you know, God has given me the gift of um, music and um, how can I, and he's, she was also educated as a therapist. Mm-hmm. So what can I use? How can I use this? So she felt led after a lot of time in prayer and study and talking with her mentor to go into hospice ministry. So she does music therapy for people who are in hospice. And that is such a cool ministry. Yeah. Something I can't I do. would never be able to do that. I can't. I don't, I'm not musical so... for one. I'm not a therapist for another. Yeah. But that's an area of life that just... I'm a little uncomfortable with, but it's so needed in mm-hmm. the world that we live in. So, you know, that's how we should all approach. You know, maybe your gift is, uh, maybe your gift is organization. Maybe you don't want to be the upfront person, but mm-hmm. you're an organized person. I guarantee you that there is a minister out there who could use your organizational skills in a valuable way. And uh, yeah. all you have to do is find the right one to fit in with and then have good attitude moving forward. Yeah. It's kind of going off what, what Graham was talking about with uh, kind of this, what, what do you do in this, this situation where you're fighting for your life? Uh, something that you see Mark really has a lot of what, well, something he values a lot is life as he's planting his potatoes. Mm. The first one that sprouts up, you can see like, to him, like that, it's the most beautiful thing he's oh, ever yeah. seen. Just this little green plant. Precious child. Yeah. 
And you kind of see it again, kind of near the end of the film, one of the final scenes. Uh, he's he's standing uh, kind of in front of this uh, pathway on a bench, and he looks down, and there's a little plant growing. Back on Earth. Yeah, back on Earth. And he, again, he, he starts to see this little bit of life. Uh, but I kind of made me think about how precious life is. And this, these might be Mark's like last moments being alive. He doesn't know if he's going to get infected from the thing that stabbed him. Uh, he doesn't know if his, uh, plants are going to succeed, if he's going to have enough food, Mm -hmm. how in, in, if you were in his shoes, what, uh, what thoughts going through your mind? Are you, I mean, we talked about this a little bit while we were watching the movie. Like, Mm -hmm. how do you think you would handle this situation? I wouldn't know what to do. I mean, I could try and tell myself that I'm going to ration food, Mm -hmm. but I wouldn't have any concept of how to grow, how to grow potato. I mean, I could try and, I mean, I might think of, well, I maybe I get the old, I'm sorry if you're sensitive. I might be able to grow potatoes out of poo. (laughs) <laughs> but the whole workaround for like creating rain and water, yeah, I don't. I would have never had any concept of how to make that work. It's pretty insane. And what's really funny about that is the way he makes that water yeah. is with a crucifix. And yeah. he, he's, he's holding that cross, and he. I always he say, I wrote it down. Oh, he says, uh, he says to the crucifix, "I'm counting on you." <laughs> yeah. Yeah. As he's whittling the wood away yeah. from it to use it to produce yeah. water. Because one of the problems he finds is that, you know, on in the space program, they don't like to have things that are combustible. So how do you start a fire if you don't have anything that's combustible? Yeah. So, <laughs> or ignitable, I should say. Yeah. Uh, ignitable. So how do you start a fire if nothing's ignitable? And the only way you can do that is with, you know, this smuggled on rosary set that his one of his people had left behind. So, but you know, he does, he has approached the stuff. I mean, he's the right person to have gotten stuck yeah. up there, but I don't know. I probably would have tried very human ways of dealing with the situation, mm-hmm. you know, rationing, uh, crying. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, the only way I can really rationalize he's able to get through all this is he, he has this belief that he can do it. Yeah. And I mean, that's, that's what our faith is ultimately is we have this ultimate goal we're reaching towards and we have faith that we're doing the right thing in life Mm -hmm. that that god's our savior and uh everything we're doing is for him that we have that is literally how we live our lives as christians Mm -hmm. so it i kind of see this this parallel between uh Matt Damon in this trying to do everything he can to survive. Cause I feel like that's all we're doing in the world really too, is just doing all that we can to survive mm. and really valuing life for what it is. Uh, something else that <laughs> Matt Damon has to do throughout this movie to kind of uh, keep himself from uh, just being sad, which I think anybody in this situation would be very depressed being alone is comedy. Mm. And I think uh, comedy is very important in our lives. I think uh, sometimes in church we like to be really serious Mm -hmm. and uh, there's no room for comedy, which I think is just ridiculous because I think uh, pastors and comedians have a lot in common where they're just taking stories from their life that are probably not 100% true. (laughs) They twist it a little bit to make a a parable out of it Mm -hmm. or make a joke, uh, which is what we're doing right now. Mm But comedy is is so important, I think, in faith. 
And I, I think if you open up the Bible and you, you read a little bit, you'll find a little bit of comedy in there too. Uh, one of my, one of my favorite pieces of what I think was is intended comedy in the Bible is in Exodus when Moses is uh, getting getting the tablets and he comes back down and there's this golden calf mm-hmm. and he's like he asks his brother Aaron like what happened like why is this here what are you doing and Aaron's like well you know it's you know your people they're kind of crazy they they're not the best at listening they don't really listen to me. They just told me to collect all the gold, so I did. And I threw it in the fire, and it made a calf, a golden calf. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, wow. oh, really, really, Aaron, that's that's how it happened? He's like, yeah, mm-hmm. just threw it in the fire. And out popped a, a golden cow. How Can you believe that? <laughs> nope. And I was wondering, what what are some other funny stories in the Bible that, that you enjoy or bring bring a smile to your face? that are appropriate for this podcast. Um, (laughs) There's a a story in the book of Judges where, um, if you've ever read the book of Judges, it's it's the worst of humanity in a lot of ways. You know, it's it's a very humanistic approach to um, how to live in a world that's, corrupt mm-hmm. and there's this story um early on in judges where this guy needs to kill a king so he manages to sneak into the king's chamber he uh, finds the king on the toilet and takes him out that way and then escapes through the uh sewer tunnels it's a very andy dufresne <laughs> kind of yeah. moment but just the you know stories like that but i think my favorite like ridiculous that shows me like god has such a sense of humor yeah is the story of gideon you know where gideon has it's also in the book of judges yeah uh, you know gideon is he's a piece of work you know he's cowardly he's not really a good person um, he's not even from a very well-respected family, mm-hmm. um, but you know, God decides that hey, I'm going to use you. I'm going to use you to liberate my people. You know, the whole procession of judges is about uh, God's people are in trouble; they're being persecuted by some foreign enemy. So God raises up a judge to save the people from this foreign power, and then that judge almost always fails and becomes an even more horrible human being. Yeah. So Gideon, you know, the there's a large army that's coming to attack uh, the Israelites. And Gideon's job is to get a um, his military together. And God keeps saying, nope, you got too many people. Nope, you got too many people. What glory is there going to be if you take, you know, thousands of people out into the battlefield there? You might be able to say, "Well, the Israelites just had some great warriors. You, yeah. need to, you need to you need to wean that down a little bit." And then, you know, there's this ridiculous process of getting it down to just a few, you know, Israelites um, that are yelling and have torches up on a hill and are breaking pots <laughs> and are blowing on horns, and it's enough to basically scare the 
invading army enough that they kill, kill each, each other. other. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they they didn't have to do anything. Yeah. And you know, it's all this to say that um, by human means, you know, we can do nothing. It all comes from God. Yeah. But it is just a ridiculous story. I mean, not not ridiculous in the untrue way. Just yeah. It's just comical. It is, the yeah. process. It's, that, the irony is just great. Yeah. yeah. It's just a huge army defeated by a joke yeah. kind of <laughs> a big a big prank which is either another one that i really like is uh samuel when he's a kid uh is is sleeping and god comes to him and calls out his name and he he gets up thinking that it was eli who who yeah. woke up so he goes over to eli's tent and he's like hey what you, what is it here i am and Eli's like, go away. I didn't call you. And so he goes back down and God does it again. And it happens three, no, I think four times total before Eli's like, Samuel, God's talking to you. It's not me. <laughs> it was kind of like, God probably could have made it more clear, but it kind of seemed like yeah. he was just like ding dong ditching him. <laughs> Come on, you got to get Eli involved in this. Oh, now there's another one that's uh, like with Elisha, uh, not Elijah, but Elisha. And, you know, he's an older guy and there's these teenagers that are picking on him because he's bald and mm-hmm. old. So they start, the teenagers are calling him old bald head, old bald head. Mm-hmm. And he sends like bears after him to attack <laughs> yeah. the teenagers. It's like, it's like, is that really necessary? I mean, I mean, I get they're being little jerks, but is yeah. that really? <laughs> oh, oh, there's all. And then there's like the whale story with Jonah, you know. Yeah, you disobeyed me, so you're gonna live in a whale's belly for three, for three days. Yeah, and then uh, once you finally do go, you don't get the satisfaction of seeing the town destroyed. Yeah. I'm telling you, VeggieTales, great illustration of that whole thing. Yeah, they did, they did Jonah very well in that. Probably one of the better. Yeah, I still think of that whenever I think of Jonah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, humor is is incredibly important, uh, and. and God gave us the ability to laugh for a reason because comedy can kind of take the worst situations and make good out of them. Mm. I think of a lot of comedians use a lot of dark humor. And the reason they do that is because it's things that are difficult for us to deal with as humans, but put in a more fun light that makes it easier to process. Mm. And uh, I think that's throughout life. We need that. And we see in the movie, that's what Matt Damon needs to keep going. He needs to keep making jokes about the terrible music that the captain left mm-hmm. behind and jokes about uh, eating food grown from his own feces. Mm-hmm. It's important because it makes going on that much easier, makes life that much easier. And that kind of goes more into, you know, being thankful for the little things in life. Mm-hmm. Um at least he had music to listen to. Yeah, because he had music, and he, as the movie goes on, he learns to love that kind of music. I am sure even after he got home, he still had a love for that music. Yeah, I love that the the very end of the movie, it plays uh, Staying Alive, yeah. <laughs> which is a great yeah. a great transition. But, uh, I mean, Mark's terrified up there. He's, he's running low on food, and you kind of see that some desperation hit him when he runs out of ketchup. Oh, yeah. It's just ketchup. He, he it, that's what really frustrates him. Uh, and it made me think about all the little things in life that we really just go to not appreciate as much as we should. 
And God kind of, he created everything around us. But I think a lot of times we're only thankful for like the big things that are going on. Like, uh, uh, God bless me with a, with a new job mm-hmm. or, uh, I got, I got, a, I got a car or I, I have a, I don't know. He, th- we, we think of a lot, a lot big expensive things, but we don't think about the kind of smaller seems like insignificant things. Mm-hmm. Um, like I was thinking, uh, some of the things that were, uh, kind of the little things that I, I don't think I appreciate as often as I was thinking about this was things like toilet paper. I don't really think about toilet paper that often, but if I didn't have toilet paper, man, I don't want to. There were some concerns about that during COVID. Yeah. There was some yeah short supplies and people are wondering, well, what else do I use? Yeah. Salt. Man, I don't imagine how boring food would be without salt. Mm-hmm. It's pretty important. I mean, you can add sugar to that too. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wrote down more. What were the other ones? Oh, rain. I love rain. And in moments right now where it's just been hot and we haven't seen rain in Mm. a couple of months, man, I feel that. Like I just a little bit of rain would would make my day and probably Lauren's day too. Mm. Uh, But what are some of the the little things in your life that you think maybe you you don't pay much attention to that really are significant in your life? I think I often take for granted the convenience of living in California. Yeah, that's um, true. Especially when it comes to being able to see something different. You know, like I when I was doing youth ministry, uh, I took some teens up to uh, play in the snow. Um, this was in February. Took some teens to play up in the snow uh, in the morning. And then I was back home uh, on the beach before dinner with those same teens who were out boogie boarding in the water. Yeah. I mean, and that's just something that you take for granted. If you live in some place like, I'm sorry, Nebraska, but if you live in Nebraska, you know, you're, Michigan. yeah, there's, <laughs> there's limits on what's available to do in, uh, a short distance drive. Um, you know, so I think, I take for granted, you know, things like the beach or the mountains. Um, I think I take for granted the, you know, family, you know, I'm trying to think how miserable life would be if not necessarily, if I was necessarily alone, but if I, you know, say something took me away, you know, say I had to go to some other place for like military, for instance, Mm -hmm. you know, if I were in the military and I had to go to Japan for a year, 16 months and not being able to be around my family for that, you know, so I take for granted the awesomeness of being able to see my family every day, you know? Um, So I think there's things like that that are really easy to take for granted. Mm Mm-hmm. I feel like it's it's important for us as Christians to maybe stop every now and then and take a moment to like kind of assess what's around you mm-hmm. in your life or even maybe that immediate moment, the kind of scenery around you and all those things that that you you really are blessed with mm-hmm. and try to thank God for those, uh, pray and, and appreciate those things. I, I think I think it's really important. And also, can help better your sense of maybe your outlook on life. Mm. Uh, I think a lot of times we like to 
blow things out of proportion for all the wrong that's going on when there's a lot of right going on in our lives too. Yeah. I, th I think it's easy to focus on, on the bad rather than what's going good. But yeah, I think, I think it's important to, as, as Christians to appreciate the little things. Cause, uh, if you, if you don't, it's life kind of can kind seem kind of bleak. Mm. Enjoy your ketchup, you know, mm. <laughs> or your, whatever your sauce of choice is or hot sauce of choice. Mm. <laughs> and then there's kind of the opposite of that, you know, and throughout this movie, Mark has managed to do some pretty incredible things. Mm -hmm. I mean, besides just the growing of potatoes out of poo and or not out of poo, but with poo <laughs> and being able to create rain with some a mixture of chemicals and fire. Mm -hmm. um, you know, he's been able to salvage an old Mars rover that's been broken down for however many years it's been. Uh, he was able to find a secondary drop site, you know, where a future Mars mission is going to go. Mm -hmm. You know, he's been able, he was able to extend the life of the, um, the little truck, you know, the rope, the yeah. vehicle that he uses, he was able to extend the life of that to where he can go further distances and do some pretty incredible things. Mm -hmm. Um, but then, you know, in spite of all these amazing things that he's been able to do, uh, and he, he's lasted longer than anybody would have ever expected him to. Um, and just when there's a plan, you know, it was like almost just a couple days after there's a formal plan yeah. to send him a resupply ship uh, based on the timeline that he had with the growing potatoes. Um, you know, he's beginning to see that hope at the end of the tunnel. But then there's this malfunction, yeah. uh, malfunction in the airlock system, in his little habitat, it blows up. Um, the cold air and the lack of um, protection instantly kills and freezes uh, all the potatoes yeah. that are growing. Uh, you know, those those potato crops are what was going to make the survival until that resupply ship could get there possible and now it's not possible you know how do you deal with defeat after defeat after defeat after defeat and that's what you know kind of is going on you know he's as soon as he makes a little bit of progress there's you know that one step back one little bit of progress another mm -hmm. step back how do you deal with defeat and stay healthy mentally and spiritually yeah uh I, I like uh, I, I like to go by that uh, that philosophy of letting uh, letting tomorrow's problems be tomorrow's is mm. worry about today. So like what can I what can I do right now? Mm. Kind of connected to the uh, uh, Alcoholics Anonymous, you know, one day at a time. Yeah, methodology to your um, your mental health, your sobriety. Yeah, I have I have bad ADD, so if I don't do that then i would probably just spiral mm. <laughs> feel like i don't know what to what problem to deal with first yeah um yeah i think it's easier just to deal with the problem that's in front of you first and go from there yeah i, w I would like to you know from the christian side of me would have liked to seen the spiritual life more of mark yeah i don't think he could be in this situation and make it through without being spiritual in some way. Yeah. I mean, they give you like a little bit of a glimpse of it. 
I mean, it's, yeah. but it's, it's microscopic. Yeah, it's pretty small. And I think they show a little bit more with the people back on Earth mm-hmm. that they're praying for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't think you could make it if there wasn't that spiritual connection. Because mm-hmm. um, I think that's the only way that you can deal with defeat after defeat after defeat. Yeah. You have to have that that hope at the end of the day for something bigger, something greater. You know, that yes, this sucks. You know, losing my entire crop of potatoes is awful. But, you know, even at the end of the day, I still have hope. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that's the only way you can really handle that kind of situation. Well, uh, kind of closing thing I wanted to talk about is sacrifice, which we talk about a lot on this podcast. I mean, a lot of, sto- there's a lot of movies that require sacrifice. It kind of makes a story good mm-hmm. is a sacrifice. Uh, but in the beginning of the movie, you see Mark goes, goes out to save an astronaut that's kind of flown away in the storm while telling the others to go get on the ship and get ready to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and doing so he ends up getting, getting marooned there. And uh, the the head of NASA later on says like your Mark's sacrifice will not be in vain, mm. uh, and kind kind of figuring out later on like oh he he actually survived this, uh, and I think it's cool that there's this whole crew of people that Mark has kind of sacrificed his life to save, and they see that now he's the one in danger. And so they sacrifice all their lives by going back out to Mars to save him. And I think it's this cool, it's kind of a different way of looking at sacrifice than maybe a lot of other movies have done it before. And it, it makes me think of that, the, the John, John 15, 13 mm-hmm. uh, scripture where no greater love than mm-hmm. laying down one's life for their friends. Mm-hmm. Uh and you see it right here where all these people saw the love that Mark had for them and they returned the favor with that kind of love back to them. And I think that's, as Christians, something we should do to Jesus because Jesus has had was the ultimate sacrifice that showed us the greatest example of love. Mm. And I think as Christians, our, the best thing we can do is to give our lives to him. That doesn't mean literally sacrificing ourselves on a cross, mm-hmm. but devoting our lives to living out God's God's vision of, of what he wants us to be, mm-hmm. bringing that kingdom to earth. And so I think it's important that we, that we not only be thankful for the sacrifice God gave for us, but also sacrifice ourselves. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, that's Martian. I, I think it's one of the... There's probably more illustrations. Oh, there. yeah, there, there's, there's more. But this is just the ones that st- stood out yeah. to us. And I I can't stress enough like how great this movie is. I feel like we say that about every movie, but I'm going to keep saying it because but this is truly, it's a great movie. Like There's a lot of movies that are like, oh, yeah, it was a good movie. But this one's like truly... like It's one of those movies you could rewatch and still gain a new perspective from. You know, after multiple times of viewing that. I mean, it's, 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 and the cinematography is great in it. Um, it's a, it's a lot of, there's a healthy mix of 
serious um, moments with comedy. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Matt Damon is, is great at, you know, at being able to pull that off, you know, call it deciding that he is uh, a space pirate uh, because, you know, he, he knows maritime law and he has all this yeah. stuff. So he decides that he is, in fact, a pirate. And because he has now grown a beard, he is Captain Blonde Beard. And, you know, he not only is doing this for his own sanity, but he's also communicating stuff to the people that are back at home, mm-hmm. you know, that I'm okay, you know, that, that we're going to get through this. Yeah. You know, he is, through his humor, he's able to um, comfort people, you know, all across the world. But this is a great movie. If you haven't seen it, you shouldn't have watched this uh, or listened to this <laughs> podcast because we blew a lot of it. Yeah. But um, I encourage you to watch it again. And maybe look for some some things, some spiritual context uh, that we missed. I know there's a few that we talked about before we recorded yeah. that we didn't fully flesh those ideas out. But yeah, I think I, that we could have added something in there about God's providence and you know. Yeah, I think ultimately it's it's a movie about value of life. Yeah, um, and kind of just how how good life is, honestly, and pull, pulling the good things from life, even though it's mm-hmm. pretty bleak for most of the movie. Mm-hmm. Our next, uh, our next podcast is going to be on a movie that is the exact opposite of this movie. I don't remember what we talked about. It is a very bright animated movie called Shark Tale. Oh, yes. Shark Tale. <laughs> uh, Will Smith and Jack Black. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this is, it's pretty old. I think it came out in like 2004 Someone or 2005. Like I, was, I was a kid when it came out. Uh, it is... The animation, I'll be real honest with you, the animation... I think it's fun because it's real bright. Yeah. And it's the movement's cool, but the faces are real weird. Yeah. <laughs> they, you know, it's some with the eyes, I think. The well, because eye- they tried to humanize fish. fish and marine life. Yeah. Rather than just letting them be fish and marine life. So, like the jellyfish are just weird. and The jellyfish are weird. I mean, Will Smith's character. They try to make him look like Will Smith, too. Yeah. It's, it's kind of weird. It's like <laughs> they didn't need to do that, but. <laughs> We'll give them a pass on that because yeah. that's a good. I think there's some good themes yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so we hope that if you're going to listen to that podcast, that you will use this as a warning to, if you haven't seen it, to watch it ahead of time, so that you are uh, not having it spoiled for you. I mean, it's a 20 year old movie; it shouldn't yeah. be too much of a spoiler. But Hopefully, you've already seen it. But, yeah, you know, watch it again. Watch it again. Watch We're going to watch it again. Yeah. So. Uh, But until then, until we talk about Shark Tale, we hope that you have a wonderful day and we look forward to hearing, you know, maybe some of your ideas about The Martian uh, and some spiritual context that we might have missed. But for now, we'll say goodbye. Have a good one.